What's going on, Greater Impact Church? I greet you guys in the name and love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that you guys have had a blessed and impactful week and that you guys are just as excited as I am to be here in the presence of God and getting ready to go into an awesome message from the Word of God. But before we do that, real quick, do me a favor. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, it is so good to see you. And do me another favor. Say to your other neighbor, neighbor, it's about to get real. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, church, I pray that you guys have had an awesome week. I sure have. Um, glory to God. Definitely um, have felt better this week and uh, definitely just praising God for all that um, he had in store. Amen. And, you know, there were some challenges and obstacles that have come across my path, but God has got me through it nonetheless. And um, I trust and know that that was probably the same situation for those of you that had currently gone through or recently gone through uh, situations to where it was like a challenge or an obstacle in your course of life. Amen. Amen. So I just praise God for his faithfulness. And as always, I praise God for the opportunity to be here to worship, to fellowship, and to be in the word of God. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, as always, um, I know Pastor Laura has opened us up in prayer in the beginning, and it was such an awesome and powerful prayer. But you guys know that I always like to pray before we get into the message uh, to pray to prepare my heart, but also to prepare all of our hearts uh, for the forthcoming of the word of God. So would you join me once more in prayer? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come humbled and grateful before your presence on tonight yet again. And Father God, we just thank you for blessing us with your presence and for strengthening us and getting us through yet another week. Father God, we just thank you for every person that is present here in this moment. And we just thank you for what you are about to do in all of our lives, oh God, through sending forth your word in such a powerful and impactful way. Father, we thank you for the word that you have set apart and have in store for us here tonight. And we just thank you, O oh God, in advance for giving us your wisdom and understanding that we may fully comprehend and receive the things of God and have it applied and implemented into every corner, venue, avenue of our lives. Father, we just bless you. We thank you. We glorify and honor you, not just because things that you've done, but most importantly, because of who you are. So, Father, we worship you, we honor you, we adore you, we bless you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, your son. Father, we pray in agreement that you, uh, that you bless our time together here tonight. Father, lead us and guide us through your word as only you can. Father, give us a better understanding and deeper revelation of your word currently than other than the one we currently have. And Father, as always, I pray that I would decrease, that you may increase, that I would not be heard, but that only you would be heard speaking and ministering your word within me and through me. Father God, we pray that you would have your way in this place, that in all things that we do here tonight and as a church and as a whole, that we would glorify you and honor you by lifting up Jesus Christ, your son, in all things. Father, we stand in agreement with your word that says that if Jesus be lifted, he shall draw all people unto himself. Father, we pray that we are a pleasing community, that we are a pleasing family, that we are a pleasing church in your eyes, and that we are a pleasing aroma in your nostrils. Father God, we just pray that you would send a double portion of your presence in this place tonight and draw our hearts closer to yours. Give us a deeper revelation, O God, other than the one we currently have in this moment, in accordance to your spirit and your word and your purpose and plan. And Father, we trust and know that it will be so. 
So, Father God, we give these things into your hands tonight, O oh God. We ask that you would remove from us every form of distraction. We pray that every ear gate, every eye gate would be opened, O oh God. And, Father, we pray that you would break every weapon that the enemy has formed against us. For, again, we stand in agreement with your word that says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper in Jesus' name. Father, we take authority over every form of distraction. We take authority over every weapon formed and we bind it up right now in the name of Jesus and we cast it back to the pit of hell and from which it came and we lose your presence, your spirit and the blood of Jesus on this place all the more. Father God, we pray that you be glorified here tonight as always and Father, we receive these things by faith and we ask and pray it all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who has taught us to pray and the people of God said, amen. Amen and amen. Well, church, I pray that you guys are excited for this message on tonight. Glory to God. Uh, let me just ask you guys real quick. Have you guys been enjoying this series so far? Um, I sure hope and pray that you guys have. I know that I have. Um, if this is your first time joining us tonight, just to kind of catch you up to speed, we are in our Reflect series. And we've been in this series for four weeks now. This is the last and final message in this series. And... Um, during the reflect during the reflect series um basically we've been talking about how to use our past even our present and future as leverage to live our best life now um last week we talked about in last week's message we talked about Joseph and we talked about how the ordeals and the situations that Joseph had to go through how that kind of relates to us uh, we talked about the holding cell, or we talked about the, the 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 pit. I'm sorry. We talked about the pit and how the pit in our life can allow God to, or how the pit in our life is necessary to allow God to prepare us for what is next. And sometimes we have to be put in a pit to kind of get us to stop because we're a bunch of busybodies, right? We're always trying to do something. And so sometimes God has to permit the pit to happen to get us to reflect on what he is trying to do or even to kind of test our faith so that our faith can be uh, grown, so it can grow, uh, to, so it can be what God intends it to be in order to get us to the next level. We talked about that last week. Uh, last week's message was titled, um, The Road to Your Future. But this week's message is a little bit different, but yet it kind of ties everything together. So this last and final message is kind of different, but again, it ties everything together. Amen. So if you are not a note taker, I encourage you to take notes. Let this be the night that you become a note taker. Um, I personally don't want you to miss out on anything that God has in store for you. Amen. I don't want you to miss out on anything that God has in store for you. So I encourage you to please take notes so that way you have those notes for a later time. Could be as soon as tomorrow. You never know. So amen. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, take notes. Take notes. Glory to God. Well, family, here we are. Uh, we're in sermon number four, uh, sermon number four, week number four. And uh, before I give you my title, as always, I want us to actually get into the Bible, the Word of God. Uh, just keep in mind that I read from the ESV version of the Holy Bible. That is the English Standard Version. However, you can use whatever translation best suits you, that you best are able to comprehend and understand. But for us here tonight, we are going to be reading from the ESV. 
Just keep in mind, the wording is slightly different, but the general meaning is the same. So again, the gospel, uh, we're going to be coming from the, I didn't think I gave you my, my scripture title yet, but um, our scripture for tonight is going to come from the gospel of Mark. We're going to be reading from chapter six, verses 45 through 52. Again, that's from the gospel of Mark, chapter six, verses 45 through 52. Now, again, take your time in getting there. But of course, once you get there, please make sure that you follow along. And the word of God says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, uh, when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on land. Uh, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and went, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Amen. Here we, here in this story, uh, family, we have Jesus walking on water, right? But that's not the only significant part, that's not the only significant part about this miracle. What is also significant is that Jesus sent them ahead. Jesus sent them ahead of him. He told them to get into the boat and go ahead of him across the lake to the other side. Um, one thing that is important to understand is that this body of water that they were traveling upon was not necessarily an ocean, but more so a lake. It was a big lake, basically. Um, the way you can tell that is because it says that Jesus was standing on the shore and as he looked out, he could see that they were having trouble. He could see, in other words, he could see that there was a storm on the horizon. He saw that there was a storm that was preparing or getting ready to come up against them. Um, but of course, we know that Jesus is God. So we know that even if it was an ocean and even if they were far away from the shore, that Jesus spiritually could still see them and their predicament as to what they were currently facing or what they were currently going through. But I want you guys to understand the, the context of the correct context of the scripture. So this passage of scripture uh, where Jesus walks in the water, this is a lake. It is a very deep lake. It's not shallow. It's very deep. And we know that because it says that when Jesus had told Peter uh, later on in a couple verses after that, when it tells you that uh, Jesus had told Peter to um, come walk on the water with him, uh, it says when Peter saw what he was doing, he doubted and began to drown. The reason why Peter began to drown was because the water was actually deep. So this was a very deep lake. But nonetheless, it was a lake. All right. So um, Jesus has sent his disciples ahead of him on to, to, go, to go to the other side of the lake. And uh, while he stayed on the shore, 
And while he stayed on the shore, he rested. While he stayed on the shore, he took time to seek after God, his father. He took time to meditate and just to kind of reflect on everything that had occurred leading up to that moment. And speaking about that, leading up to that moment, Jesus was exhausted. Jesus was exhausted. And what Jesus had planned to do was he planned to, he planned a little getaway. He planned a little uh, vacation time, a little retreat for him and his, his followers. Uh, not his followers, his disciples, um, the apostles. So what he began to do, he was so tired because he'd been out here ministering. He'd been out here raising dead little girls. He'd been out here, you know, performing all these miracles, casting out demons and devils, hearing the lame, healing the blind so they could hear and see again and, and that they could live their lives free of demonic oppression and so forth. So now Jesus has physically come to a place where he is now exhausted physically. Physically, Jesus has become exhausted. So now what happens is now Jesus is like, okay, now it's time for a little Sabbath. Now it's time for a little break. Um, so what Jesus says, okay, we're going to go to this place. But what ended up happening was the people ended up finding out where Jesus was headed to. And so they found a way there before he could get there. And so what happened was they traveled a little bit sooner than what Jesus did. So they got there before Jesus did. And when Jesus had arrived with his disciples, there he, uh, there he found waiting for him a good 5,000 people wanting to hear the word of God. They, he found 5,000 people that were spiritually hungry. And so what did Jesus do? Jesus ministered to them. Even though Jesus was tired in his flesh, even though Jesus was drained and exhausted in his flesh, Jesus still took the opportunity to minister to them and to feed them spiritually. But not only did he feed them spiritually, he fed them physically. Because this is the same, past, uh, this is the same story where Jesus then takes the fish and he takes the loaves of bread and he makes provision for them and they have much to eat. And after having much to eat, they still had many left over. They had much left over. So in this story, the story is significant because this was supposed to be the place of Jesus's rest. But even when Jesus got to his place of rest, he found there was still work waiting for him on the other side. The disciples, on the other hand, it is evident through the passage of scripture um, that he, they were a little upset because they also were tired because they were also assisting Jesus in these works. Now, while most of them could not conduct uh, miracles at that time, they were still doing the physical work, such as getting people together, setting people down, um, distributing the food, you know. So these were things that they were doing at that time in preparation for what was yet to come in their ministry later on down the road. So here we have Jesus getting to his place to rest to only find that there is still much work for him to do. And the disciples were quick to turn the people down. They were quick to turn the people away. They were like, all right, Lord, we could go ahead and tell them to leave you alone if you want to. And Jesus said, no, no. It says that Jesus had compassion upon them and he ministered to them. And not only did he feed them spiritually, he fed them physically. He fed them physically. 
So now they can, now after Jesus had finished preaching his message and teaching them the word of God and the principles of God, they were quick to say, the disciples were quick to say, well, Jesus, we got to send them ahead before it gets too late because the sun is setting and we don't have no food to give them. Uh, let's send them away so that they could go into a neighboring town and get some food to eat for the night that they may have it for their journey ahead of them. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. And they said, but Lord, we only have but two loaves of bread and one fish. How are we going to feed them? And Jesus said, give them to me. Give them to me. Jesus then took it. He gave thanks to God for it. He broke it and distributed amongst the people. And not only did they have much to eat, they had much left over. Now, after all this was said and done, Jesus, after Jesus had fed every last one of them, he sent them on their way. He gave them the blessing. He sent them on their way. Now it's just Jesus and his disciples alone at last. But now Jesus does something that's even more significant. So now Jesus says, okay, I want you guys to go ahead of me. Now I can only imagine what the disciples were thinking, but Lord, we wanted to rest with you. But Lord, we wanted to rest with you. But even in this moment, Jesus is preparing them for a lesson that they will never forget. Because see, this isn't the first time that the apostles were in a boat in the midst of a storm. There was another time uh, at, towards the very beginning of Jesus's ministry where they were in a boat and a storm had broken out and Jesus was in the back of the boat asleep and they woke him out of his sleep saying, Lord, do you not care that we perish, that we die? And Jesus looked at him and said, uh, peace be still. The winds and the waves stopped. The storm passed. And they were on the other side of the boat looking at Jesus like, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? But now Jesus is, prepare, uh, Jesus is preparing them to see if they are capable of getting to the other side of this lake without having their boat destroyed. My God, remember that. Hold on to that for now. It'll make sense a little later. Amen. So what's interesting about our passage of scripture, it says that Jesus looked ahead and could see that they were in trouble. And so Jesus begins to walk on the water towards them. But the thing that caught me off guard when I start reading this first passage of scripture is that it says that Jesus was hoping to pass them by. That catches you off guard a little bit because you're like, well, Lord, why would you hope? Why would you try to walk? in a way that they wouldn't see you, but yet they did see him and they thought it was a ghost. And so then Jesus cries out to them, it's only me. It's me. It's not a ghost. And then Peter said, but Lord, if it is you, then let me come out and walk with you. And Jesus said, all right, come. And so Peter has enough faith to get out the boat, but yet he gets out the boat. He begins to see what he's doing and he sees the size of the storm. And what, what he begins to do is he begins to sink. He begins to drown. And yet, to only have Jesus rescue him and put him back in the boat and to ask a question, Peter, why did you doubt? Look into the rest of them, why so little faith? The very same question that Jesus had asked a handful of times, not just to his apostles, but also to those who listened to him and those who followed him closely. But it says that Jesus was hoping to pass them by. Why is that? Was it that Jesus didn't feel like performing another miracle? Or was it that 
Jesus wanted to see if they could perform the miracle themselves. In reality, I would say that Jesus would have saved them regardless because, of course, Jesus is merciful and he's loving. But at the same time, there was a test that the disciples were being put through in this present situation. There was a test that the disciples were being put through in this situation. The outcome would have depended upon what they saw. I say that again. The outcome would have been dependent upon what they saw. What They saw Jesus, and so the outcome was slightly different. But if they didn't see Jesus, the question then becomes, what would they have done? If they didn't see Jesus when they saw Jesus, and Jesus did get to the other side before them and passed them by, what would they have done? Would they have tried to do what they saw Jesus do in the beginning and rebuke the winds and the waves and the storm and have the storm stop for them? Because Jesus did give them charge at this point to cast out demons and devils and to perform miracles. But because Jesus gives you the charge, you got to also understand that you must have faith to back up the charge in which you have been given. My God. You got to have faith to back up the charge in which you have been given. Because as we have established many times before, faith is the key that that turns on, that ignites the mission, the vision, the purpose that God has on the inside of you. So the way it depended upon what they saw would have affected the outcome of the situation. My title for tonight is in the form of a question, but it's also the major point of this message. Where is Jesus now? Where is Jesus now? That is my title for tonight. Where is Jesus now? My God. So oftentimes, We see Jesus and we expect Jesus to do everything for us. But then in those moments where we don't see Jesus or we don't see Jesus right away, we automatically dismiss the fact that God is trying to teach us something for God wants to punish us for something. Don't you understand that your God is first to forgive and last to get angry? Don't you know that your God is slow to wrath and judgment? For if he was not, he would have already judged the world. He would have already judged you from day one. And yet God has not. And I say that because God sent us his son, Jesus Christ, that we may have life and life more abundantly, that we may have life eternally, that we may fulfill the purpose, the original purpose that God has given to us all. So if God was quick to wrath and judgment, surely he would have already come back and judged us and surely he would have already come back to judge this world. But as you go into John three sixteen, if you go down to verse 17, it says, For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to, what? Save the world. Amen? It's not the world, the physical world that is talking about. It's the people in the world that God has created that he wants to save. 
Don't you understand and don't you know that you are more valuable to God than anything in your house? Don't you understand and know that you are more valuable to God than any other creature that walks and roams the face of this planet? Don't you understand that you, the human humans, period, are the only thing that is created in the image of God? Amen. You are created in the image of God. So if God was quick to judge us, which he he is right to do so, if quick if God was quick to judge us, he would be quick to destroy a piece of him. Amen. We have a piece of God within us. But because we were placed in a corrupt world, we also have a place uh, we have a piece of corruption, amen, because the world in which we currently reside is corrupt. And because the world is corrupt, naturally, we, our physical bodies have become corrupted. We see this in Genesis when uh, man and, and, and woman, the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, gave in the temptation and they first sinned against God, right? We see how the flesh became corrupt through their disobedience. And so this is an ongoing thing that mankind has gone through, but Jesus ha is the remedy. He is the antidote for the, the corruption, amen? Because Jesus in himself is righteousness, and because he is righteousness, whoever receives him as such will become righteous, my God. So my question becomes, where is Jesus now? Where is Jesus now? now. But I also ask you this, what boat are you in? That's my first point. What boat are you in? Our boat is a representation of the current predicament that we are in in our lives. The boat is your life, but it's also a representation of the current predicament, the current situation, the current circumstance that you are in right now in your life such as where are you in your career, such as where are you in your education or your schooling, such as where are you in your marriage or your relationship status, where are you in your faith level and etc. So what boat are you in? What boat are you in? Most of the time when we first start out on our journey, we find ourselves excited and even motivated but when we get to a certain point where there's starting to come tr uh, troubles and struggles and, and adversity and so on, we become discouraged. We want to give up. We want to quickly get out the boat. We want to dismantle the boat. We want to destroy the boat. My God. We get... We want to get out the boat when we find out and discover that the boat doesn't move itself. We get discouraged and want to get out the boat when we find out that there is there is much work to be done. Could it be that we have become lazy? Could it be that we have become so dependent upon others, especially God doing everything for us, that we get afraid of doing things for ourselves? See, this is kind of what happened with the disciples. This is what kind of happened with the disciples. The disciples, <coughs> excuse me, the disciples have become dependent upon Jesus doing all the miracles that they doubted their ability to conduct miracles. They doubted their ability to be able to perform miracles and wonders. 
See, Jesus sent them ahead of him to see what they would do in the midst of the storm. The storm that broke out probably was similar to the one that broke out in the very beginning when Jesus rebuked it and they witnessed what Jesus had done. So think of it this way. Have you ever taken, um, maybe at a job or school, you, you take in modules, right? Where the teacher or the instructor will give you a lesson and they'll demonstrate how to do a certain task or a certain thing. And then uh, maybe about a couple days, a couple weeks later, they then give you a test or they then call upon you to do the demonstration to see if you remember or you can do what you learned or what you were supposed to learn. See, what the disciples failed to realize was that the, the time that they were spending with Jesus was not just for them to spend with Jesus. The time they were spending with Jesus was to train them and equip them for what was yet to come through, uh, uh, yet to come in their lives. Amen. So they, they were in the mindset, uh, well, Jesus is going to be with us forever. But what they quickly realized was that that was not the case. That's why they became troubled when Jesus began to prophesy about his death. And his resurrection. That's why Peter spoke up and said, no, Lord, but it never happened. And it's the very same reason why Jesus rebuked him. But we can't really criticize the disciples then because we are still that way now. We can't criticize them then because we are still that way now. We have gotten excited when Jesus, when we first started our faith, we, we got excited when we first started in ministry we got excited when we first started in that new job. We got excited when we started in that new relationship. We got excited when we first got married and we got excited when we started that business. But when we got in the middle of or when we got in the midst of what we were supposed to be doing or when we came to the realization of what was yet to be done, we then realized that there was a lot of work to be had. So therefore, we became discouraged. Church, can we get ourselves to a place where we stop becoming discouraged when work is presented to us? Can we get to a place where we embrace the tasks that are presented to us? Can we get to a place where our faith outdoes our doubts? Can we get to a place where we are, we're not worried about the size of the workload or we're not worried about how how much work is going to be done or, or how much work is to be done and how long it's going to take to do it. But in reality, just let God work in us and through us to complete it within us. My God. Church, can we get to that place? Amen. Oftentimes, the boat we thought we were in wasn't the boat that God called us or intended us to be in. In other words, some of you guys might have relationships that God never told you to get into in the first place. Some of you may have taken way too much responsibility upon yourself that God never intended you to do in the first place. Some of you um, might have <coughs> joined or started a ministry that God never told you to join or start in the first place. So again... You got to seek the Lord for direction and guidance and make sure that you are in the right area that you are supposed to be in. Amen? Amen. Let me ask you this. Who is in your boat? Who is in your boat? Who is in your life currently? Most importantly, I'm just going to be real with you. Is Jesus in your boat? Is Jesus in your boat? When Jesus isn't a part of your boat, what, begin, what will begin to happen is that 
you will find yourself doing much more work than you expected, uh, than what was expected of you in the first place. These are the people that try to do everything by themselves. These are the people that are too prideful to ask God for help. These are the people that are too prideful to ask anyone for assistance because you act as though you have it all together. But what you will quickly realize is that you don't have it all together. And because you don't have it all together, your boat will hit a rock and it will get a hole in it. And you're not going to be able to bail the water out by yourself. So you're going to eventually get to a place where you have to have somebody come in the boat to help you. What And we call that damage control. Amen. Uh, sometimes God will put a rock in your path for you to hit your boat into so that you can have somebody come in to help you with damage control. Amen. This is for some of you where excuse me, where some of you hit rock bottom, right? It was all going good, right? You was doing everything on yourself, but then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you got sick. Out of nowhere, you got anxiety. Out of nowhere, you, you got to a place where you could not do everything on your own. You got to a place where you realized that you could no longer do this by yourself. But let me be real with you. You could never do this by yourself, especially if the vision and the purpose is from God. Because if the vision and the purpose is from God, it is twice big, is twice as, uh, twice as, uh, twice its size. Amen. And because it's twice the size, it means that you can't do it by yourself. Anything that is given to you by God is bigger than you. Amen. Because it is the size of God, my God. And what that means is that it's going to take you and God to complete it. You're not going to be able to do it by yourself. Say it to your neighbor. Neighbor, you are not going to be able to do it by yourself. You need the Lord to show you and to help you with it. My God. My God, my God, my God. So, it's Jesus in your boat. Are you doing much more work than what you were supposed to be doing? Much more work than what was expected or required of you in the first place. Stop trying to paddle. Uh, stop trying to paddle the boat by yourself. And start letting Jesus help you get your boat to where it is supposed to be. This is why some of you take so long getting to your to the fulfillment of your promise. It's not that God is saying no. It's not that God is delaying the promise. It's that you are delaying your own promise. My God, you are delaying your own promise because you are trying to do everything by yourself. The moment that you surrender it completely under God and allow God to come in the boat and show you and help you with the workload, then maybe you could get to your promised land a little quicker. Can I tell you a little secret? Maybe you already known this, but just in case you didn't, the Israelites were never intended by God to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They were meant to have the fulfillment of their promise before the 40 years, but because they were disobedient and because they did not listen to the instruction of God, they ended up being led into the wilderness for 40 years. Can you imagine being in a place where you are constantly repeating the same journey, where you are constantly repeating the same travel, the same commute for 40 years, never getting to that one thing that God intended for you to have? And in the midst of that 40 years, it says that God began to pluck them off. 
He began to take them out, the ones that were breaking the laws of God, the ones that were breaking the commandment of God, the people that were hindering Israel from being fulfill, uh, fulfilling the promise of God. God had taken them out. My God. So you ain't got to worry about the people that are in your boat that are trying to hinder or hold up your blessing because they can only hold up your blessing for so long. But what's going to end up happening is through the process of it all, God is going to begin to pluck them out your boat. So when you see people jump overboard, just let them jump overboard and stop trying to save them and stop trying to get them back in your boat because if they jumped overboard, they did not jump on their own accord. They jumped because God told them to jump and went, oh my goodness. Woo, Jesus. They jumped because God told them to jump, my God. And so because they have jumped over, the, oh, 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 because they jumped overboard, amen, from your life, that was indication that God has something else, something better in store for you. Oftentimes when somebody jumps off the ship of our life, we are always ready to, 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 to throw them a lifesaver and try to get them back into our boat. Amen. Can I tell you something? Let that let that boy go. Let that girl go if God told them to jump. Stop, worry, uh, stop worrying about what they think about you and what they say about you. Stop worrying about if they're going to be with you tomorrow, if they're going to be with you next week, if they're going to be with you next year. What I want you to do is come to the realization of that if they were meant to be, they will be. Amen. If they were meant to be a part of your vision, they will be a part of your vision. If they were meant to be your business partner, they would be your business partner. If they were meant to be your husband or your wife, they would be that. Amen. Stop worrying about who is going to be with you today and who is going to be with you tomorrow. Just know that God is always with you every second, every moment, every hour of the day. Amen. Amen. Jesus will begin to fill your boat with purpose and promise. Go back to that story when Jesus first called out to Peter and, 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 and uh, uh, to Simon Peter and to his brothers. He told them to cast a net from the one side to the other side. And Peter's response to that was, well, Lord, we done, we've been uh, fishing all day and haven't caught a thing. But if you insist, and he does what the Lord told him to do. And it says that they had caught twice the amount of fish. They caught the twice, uh, they caught twice the amount of fish and it became, their nets became so heavy that they began to break and their boats began to sink. Amen. So they had so much fish that their boat could not contain it. That's purpose. Amen. Your purpose will make it look like your boat is about to sink, but it's not about to sink. It's it's just getting a little water in it because the purpose is heavy. And sometimes when your purpose outgrows your boat, that means you got to build a bigger boat. You got to stop trying to fill a ark purpose into a fisherman's boat. Oh my God. I wish you would hear what the Lord is saying. My God, you need to stop taking an ark size 
God-sized blessing, an ark-sized purpose, and trying to fit it into a fisherman's boat. Can I get somebody in this place tonight to praise and glorify God? There are some of you right now in this place that can relate, and you feel the Spirit of God convict and tug on your heart with the things in which I'm teaching you. My God, if that is you, just give God all the praise and give him the glory, because I am convinced that there is power in the midst of your praise, and that if you would just let out a shout of praise right where you are, depend no matter what boat you're in, no matter what your situation or circumstance looks like, if you would just give God a praise, I am convinced that some things will begin to shift in your situation. My God, my God, my God, my God. Ooh, Jesus. My God. My next point is this. Light in the midst of darkness. Light in the midst of darkness. Oftentimes we find ourselves in a place of uns or places of uncertainty. And depending upon how long we are in that gray area, it can take away our hope and possibly kill our dreams. For example, let's look at this year of 20, uh, 2020. <coughs> Excuse me. So 2020, and we've heard this all on the media. We've heard this all in church. We've heard this all in our communities and, and, and so forth, right? Where a lot of people have said that 2020 is a year of uncertainty. It was a year of hardship. It was a, a year of trials for so many different reasons, mainly because of COVID, right? COVID came through and put many people out of work, closed down many shops, many businesses, especially especially small businesses. It's uh, it, it's done a lot, right? It, it's, it, it's put us in a gray or dark area, a, a place of uncertainty. And for some folks, this has probably caused anxiety. For some folks, this has maybe caused a lack of faith, or uh, in some way or another, it has affected all of us, uh, both mentally, physically, emotionally, and, and spiritually as well. Oftentimes, we find our places in uncertainty. It's not just happened in 2020. It's happened corporately in 2020. Everybody is going through pretty much the same thing. But, but this, is, this has always been the case. For, for us as individuals, we have always gone through a place of uncertainty. Tomorrow, you ever heard this phrase, tomorrow is not promised or tomorrow is never promised? That's true. Nobody, nobody knows if they're going to wake up to see tomorrow. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not promised. That's why God encourages us to live our life for today. Because again, we don't know the day nor hour that we're going to depart this life. We don't know the day nor hour that we're going to be raptured. We don't know the day nor hour that Jesus is going to come back. All of those things are in the eyes of God. God knows and uh, knows when those things will happen, but we, however, do not know. So, yes, we will find ourselves each and every day in a place of uncertainty, even after COVID hap uh, is over, long gone and not thought of. Um, there will always be a place of uncertainty in our life. Uncertainty was designed by the enemy to kill our hope and destroy our dreams, especially when our dreams are from God, especially when our hope is in God. This is especially true for those who don't have Jesus traveling with them at all times. When Jesus isn't with you at all times, you give the enemy more room to do these things in you. 
You give him the room and the access to begin to put more doubt in your heart. You give him the room and the access to put more fear in your heart. Fear is essentially what kills your dream. Fear is essentially what kills your hope. My God. The storm was meant for you to lose. Uh, the storm was meant for you by the enemy to lose sight of Jesus. I say that again. The storm was meant for you to lose sight of Jesus. Even though we might lose sight of Jesus, here it is. Get this. Get this, church. Even though we might lose sight of Jesus, Jesus has never lost sight of us. <clears throat> Did you catch that? I'm going to say it again. Even though we may lose sight of Jesus, Jesus never loses sight of us. My God. He always knows where we are and has an alternate route played uh, already pre prepared for us. When there's something preventing you from going the way God intended you to go, Jesus already has an alternate alternate route prepared and set in place for you to travel down. But how can you access that alternate route unless you have the person who has the map in the boat with you? Let me ask you, are you willing to follow the direction of Jesus? Are you willing to follow the direction of Jesus? See, remember, Jesus said in the last days, many will run up to me saying, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons and devils in your name. And he said, but Lord, he said, I will say to them, get away from me, for I never even knew you. You who break the laws of God. But then he also says something along the lines of this. Why do you call me Lord and do not what I say? In other words, why do you call me Lord and don't follow my instructions? Why do you call me Lord and don't follow my directions? Ask yourself that question. Why do I call Jesus Lord if I don't follow his direction? So let me ask you, are you willing to follow the direction of Jesus? Jesus is our lighthouse, our place of safety in the times of trouble. So even when you're going through the midst of this, when you're in the midst of the storm and, it, and you're in that place of uncertainty, if you keep your eyes fixated upon Jesus, you will have hope and you will have faith in knowing that everything will be okay because the lighthouse, the light of the world, Jesus is showing you the path is still there. The reason why we become so alarmed, the reason why we become so fearful is because we can no longer see the path. We become so fearful, we became we 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 become so fearful because we can no longer see the direction. When we can no longer see what's in front of us, we become fearful. We become fearful because we don't know how we're gonna get there or when we're gonna get there. But if we keep our eyes fixated on Jesus, we will know that the road is still there and it is still very much visible, but we gotta look through it through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Lastly, I say this to you. Get your spark, ignite your glow. I say it again. Get your spark, ignite your glow. If you would turn open to, uh, if you would please turn open to the Gospel of John chapter 8 verse 12. Again, that's the Gospel of John chapter 8 verse 12. 
And the word of God says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. Jesus is the light of the world, church. Jesus is the light of the world. And when we follow him, we, we walk in light. Amen. Uh, we are called to follow him that we may radiate his glow to others. Because see, the thing is, when we follow Jesus, that light that he has is contagious. That light that he has is contagious because then we catch it and then we shine just as bright as Jesus shines. Amen. So we, the church, we, the people, the men and the women of God are called to follow Jesus in a way that we may radiate his glow to others. Amen. The world that we live in, if you haven't already noticed, is very dark, very dark. And only true hope that we can offer them is the promise and fulfillment of Jesus Christ. That's the only promise that we can offer them that will give them true hope that will last a lifetime. Amen. Have you received your spark? Have you walked close enough with Jesus that that spark is now ignited within you to where you can shine Jesus for all to see? For those who have received their spark, they will have joy, peace, and victory. I've not yet once seen a person with the spark of God in them, the light of God in them, um, allow the calamities of this life, allow the worries of this life, allow the troubles that this life produces to overtake them. But instead, I have seen them overtake it. My God. Jesus tells us in the gospel of Matthew that we are the light of the world. Christ's church must glow for all to see. The only way to get your spark is by getting connected to Jesus. Inviting him into your boat, inviting him into your life, inviting him into your situation, inviting him into your circumstance. Learn from him. Once you invite him in your boat, learn from him. Say it to your neighbor. Neighbor, learn from him. Learn from him. Learn what he says. Learn what he does. Walk according to his direction, his purpose, and his plan. Then once you get that spark, you will be positioned to glow for a community to see, for a world to see. Where you glow may end up getting people saved and set free from the bondage that the enemy has tried to wrap them up in. Before, As we close out our message tonight, let me just wrap this all up for you. As we get ready to close out our message, let me wrap this all up for you. Church, you got to walk so close with Jesus that when people look at you, they see Jesus in you. I say that again. You got to walk so closely with Jesus that when they look at you, they see Jesus within you. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I know this sounds like a cliche. I know that this um, we've heard this a lot before in our life, but it's so true. Sometimes the only Jesus people will see is the Jesus in you. Amen. Sometimes the only Jesus people will see is the Jesus in you. Church. Jesus got into the boat. 
I'm sorry, not the boat. Jesus sent the disciples ahead of him, not just to be tested, but he sent them ahead of him so that they could have their own time of reflection. Sometimes when you can't see Jesus right away, it's not that Jesus isn't there. And sometimes because the text says that Jesus was hoping to pass them by doesn't mean what you think it means. Because Jesus always had their best interest at heart. And rather if Jesus is, if Jesus's presence is made known to you in the boat, just have faith that even if you feel that he's not, he still is. In the, in the midst of, if you're in a situation to where you can't see Jesus, just know that Jesus can still see you. And because Jesus has his eye on you, he can intervene and help you in your situation and your circumstance at any given time, at any given moment. You are never alone. Even in your time of reflection, Jesus was walking by them in the midst of their reflection time. Jesus was walking by them in the midst of their time of reflection. Just when you thought that your past was going to be used against you, Jesus was still walking in the scenes of your past with you. When you thought that your future wasn't as bright, Jesus was still walking in the midst of that time of reflection with you. You are never alone, church. You are never alone. Jesus is always with you. Amen. Even in your time of reflection. You may have thought Jesus wasn't with you in your past because of the sins you got caught up in. But I'm telling you, Jesus was with you even then. You may think that because of how you live now that Jesus is not going to be a part of your future. But I tell you, Jesus is even a part of your future. Jesus wants to be a part of every aspect of your life. Will you allow him to do that for you? Will you allow him to be a part of your life? Will you allow him to take your past and turn it into a bright future? Will you allow him to take your present and 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 and, and use your past to prepare you for your future? Will you allow Jesus to come in the boat of your life? Will you allow Jesus to come in on the scenes of your life? that you may have life more abundantly, that you may have life victoriously. Amen, amen, and amen. As we get ready to close out our worship experience tonight, I would never like to hinder anyone, anyone the opportunity to accept and receive Christ Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Maybe this is your first time hearing the word of God. Maybe this is your second, third, or 405th time hearing the word of God. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance is, I invite you tonight to the throne of grace. I invite you tonight to the cross of Calvary. Amen. If you are unsure about your salvation, you can be sure about your salvation. The Bible says that whoever believes that Jesus Christ died for their sins and, 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 and profess these things in which they believe with the word of their testimony, they shall be saved. Amen. I invite you tonight to the throne of grace. I invite you tonight to the cross of Calvary. And I, I, I tell you, don't worry about what people say or think of you. Don't worry about um, the judgment that people such as your family or your friends could put against you. Just only worry about the thoughts and the judgment of God, because that's the only thing that truly matters. 
Jesus says in the book of Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Will you let me come in that I may fellowship with you? Jesus desires a personal, intimate relationship with you. He desires a personal fellowship with you. Amen. For those of you that wish to commit or recommit your life to Christ tonight, start. Uh, if you want to commit or recommit your life to Christ, you can start off by clicking on that raised hand button there in the chat. It doesn't let us know who you are. It just let us know that someone is making that making the decision. They're taking that stand to accept Christ Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. This lets us know that somebody within, within the camp, somebody within the community has just got saved. It doesn't let us know exactly who you are, but we would love to know who you are if you would mind sharing with us in the chat or if you would want to fill out that uh, connect tab that appears on your screen after you click the raised hand button. We would love to hear your story, but we also would love to pray with you and we would love to grow with you as well. You don't have to walk this walk alone. We can walk it together. After you click on that raise hand button, join me in this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you tonight. I confess that I'm a sinner, that my sins are many, that my heart is naturally sinful and wicked. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe on the third day that you raised to life. You ascended into heaven and you are soon to come back again. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. I nail to the cross my flesh, the desires of my flesh, the world and the things of the world to the cross of Calvary. Lord, make your home in my heart. Help me to be more like you each and every day and help me to draw closer to you and the Father through your word and through prayer and through your Holy Spirit. Help me to live my life victoriously and righteously for your glory. And I trust and know that you will. In your most holy and precious name I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen.